Hello and welcome to the Brew Theology Podcast. My name is Ryan Miller and on today's episode we will be talking about Pagan Christmas, the Advent and the Winter Solstice season. All that mashed together. You know, there are different traditions and holidays that make up our understanding of the Advent and the Christmas season. You know, these traditions, they predate the Christian celebration and there are some traditions that have defined it but are originally unique. The date in question obviously is December 25th, and in reference to Christianity, most scholars agree that Jesus was not born on December 25th, but most likely was born around the fall season. And in the 4th century, Emperor Constantine of the Roman Empire chose to mark December 25th as Christ's birth. Interestingly enough, Constantine's dad was a follower of the ancient god Mithra, the unconquerable son whose birth lands on, there you have it, December 25th. So there are several theories for how Christmas got its date, but before we get to December 25th, there's a period of preparation called Advent. So this episode, we will be talking about Advent, we'll be talking about Christmas, we'll be talking about pagan traditions, and all of that mashed together with friends across the religious spectrum We'd love to hear back from you after the episode. You can email us at ryan at brewtheology.org. You can also email Janelle at janelle at brewtheology.org. Check out brewtheology.org, the website. Share that with your friends. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate it. Review it on iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you can, por favor. Follow us on Twitter, brew underscore theology. Facebook at brewtheology and Instagram at brewtheology. Have fun, be safe, and Merry Christmas. Peace. Okay, you guys ready to rock and roll? Here we are for another Brew Theology Podcast, here with some good friends tonight. And this episode is brought to you by Wits End Brewing Company in South Central Denver. Those guys are pretty cool. They're, they're not pretentious. You know, you go into a brewery. And sometimes you feel like you don't fit in. I think this is the place where everybody can fit in. Sort of like, I think, hopefully what we're becoming, what we are too. Everybody comes in, they get the drink that they want. It's not too boozy. It's not light Coors kind of beer. So tonight we're drinking two amazing beers. And one of them is the FL IPA. Super, I should say. Super FL IPA. It's the black IPA. No nonsense black IPA. Can you dig it? It blends yes, citrus. Yeah. <laughs> it blends these citrusy hops, deep caramel flavors, slight roastiness, and a hint of cedar. And then the other brew is the this is a Christmas brew. It's the ugly sweater, the brown Belgian winter ale, brewed with palm sugar. So bundle yourself up with an ugly sweater and have a happy holiday season. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're talking about pagan Christmas solstice advent. And we'll do a brief introduction, our name, our religious heritage, and our favorite pagan tradition. So I'm Ryan. I grew up Southern Baptist Evangelical. And 18 years ago, I started to drift away from that, mostly because of the women in ministry issue or lack thereof. And so I've gleaned from Anabaptists and Methodists and Jewish people and Pentecostals over the years. So now I'm a Jesus-following, big tent, Anabaptist, Methodist, Jewcostal follower of Jesus, and I'm going to throw in another label in a couple episodes because one's coming. 
Oh, nice. yeah. Keep us on that I'm waiting until 2017 to break out the new label. My favorite pagan tradition is got to be the Christmas tree. And if you didn't know this, it's a phallic symbol. <laughs> what? Yeah. Didn't know so, it. so next time you see a Christmas tree, those aren't just pretty balls on a tree. <laughs> It's a fun tradition. I've gotten over the fact that it's a penis. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Janelle, and I come from a conservative, fundamental evangelical background. And um, I moved to Colorado about four years ago and knew that we were changing and that things were kind of transforming. And so now uh, we attend a evangelical Lutheran church and have a house church in our home. And I... I'm happy to take on the label of progressive Christian. So my name's Liz, and uh, <clears throat> I definitely went to Sunday school a bunch when I was a kid, and my grandma inspired me to go to Sunday school. And uh, by the time I was a teenager, I was super into Christianity, and I would go to church by myself, and I was part of youth group, and I was part of choir, and I was part of bell choir, and I loved uh, church, and I was very religious. And then... Uh, at 17, became an atheist. Just kind of all that stuff kind of melted away for me for a long time. And uh, a couple years ago, realized that atheism wasn't spiritual enough, and um, humanistic spirituality wasn't getting me exactly where I wanted to go. And was introduced to some of the basic concepts of Buddhism. And the more I uh, love people who are of other religions, the more I'm, I feel more solid in my Buddhist faith. So um, I would say I'm a practicing Buddhist. What's your favorite pagan? Oh, I love paganism because, especially the more I started learning about Christianity, because, like, for instance, you know, you get the Virgin of Guadalupe, who's the same as the Virgin Mary, who's the same as the Earth Mother, who's the same as Kuan Yin, who's the same as all of these same archetypes. So, um, you know, and of course, Christianity and Buddhism both, you know, did a lot of cultural appropriation as they began moving forward. And I love that all of these symbols kind of mean the same thing to lots of different people. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's Adam. I grew up in the Churches of Christ, uh, much like everyone else, for the most part, conservative, uh, evangelical tradition, and uh, I would just call myself a progressive Christian now. I go to a church called The Journey that is um, just pro- progressive, non-denominational, um, very open and affirming, and so that's that tends to be the way that I roll. Um I would say my, I grew up in Houston, so it was kind of weird, like, the weather never really accommodated any Christmas things that, you know, most of the rest of the country gets to do, Uh, but one thing that I do love is that um, in Mexico, they, one, one big tradition is making tamales at Christmas, and so I don't know if that stems from some sort of, like, you know, pagan tradition or not, but I'll, I'll claim it because I love tamales. Hi, my name's Shoshana. Um, I went to Jewish school until college, so for 13 years. Um, and back then I would probably identify as a conservadox, so conservative and orthodox. Um, had a little bit of a Jewish identity crisis in my 20s. Um, or I'm still in my 20s, but um, when I was 20. And just was kind of confused by other... Um, figures in other religions and not really believing that and so then making me question my own beliefs in like the prophets that Judaism has Um, I really like talking about religion because I majored in it basically growing up and just 
like being able to understand other people's theologies. Um, yeah. So I, I don't teach you a lot about pagan paganism at Jewish school. So <laughs> I'd say I'd just classic go with. It's not very kosher. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so I guess I'd probably just go with Christmas tree because I like the idea of like bringing the earth into the home, especially when it's like very, very cold to go outside. Also I'm from Boston. So it's like very cold out there. And also just bringing lights in during a really dark period of the year. I'm Brian. Uh, I grew up a Midwestern rural evangelical Protestant closeted gay boy. And um, when I finally came out of the closet in, in my early 30s, I came out not just as gay, but also as agnostic. I hadn't really believed in a lot of that stuff for years, even though I was still practicing it. But um, a couple years ago, I've kind of um, wandered back into Christianity. So I guess I would identify myself as kind of an agnostic Christian Methodist, maybe, which is maybe unusual. I don't know. Um, and I would say one of the things I like about the pagan uh, side of the season, assuming this is pagan, is, is the emphasis on lights. I like the candles and lights in uh, on buildings and in houses, and it just is uh, very comforting in this cold and dark time. Great. Okay. Thank you guys for the introductions. Just a reminder for the ground rules, and if you're doing this in your own community, this is always helpful. Even if you've heard this a hundred times, no soapbox is allowed. No one person or viewpoint gets the last word. <clears throat> Two, respect all others and their viewpoints, even if you think they're morons. Morons. <laughs> Three, extend courtesy by listening well, which can be tough for talkers like myself. And four, everything is up for discussion, even if we're going to try to stay on topic, but hey, rabbit trails are fun. So y'all ready? We're going to read some, some of the content here, starting with Advent, and then move through some solstice. So Advent means coming, which traditionally retells the ancient coming of the Christ figure, along with anticipating Christ's future coming. Many Christians have traditionally spent four weeks after Thanksgiving in preparation for the commemoration of Jesus' birth through scripture reading, candle lighting, and symbolic decorating. Advent is also a time of waiting and expectation. Christians await the birth of the Savior, his coming into the world. This is God's intersection in our timeline to make things right with humanity and with creation. It is also a time of waiting for the final reconciliation that comes in the apocalypse. The apocalypse is a theme in both the Old and New Testaments and echoes the desire of all creation being redeemed and made right. That begins in the coming of the Savior. Christians celebrate Advent in several ways. Uh, Families often have an Advent calendar that yields a picture or treat from behind a little door on a calendar that relates the Christmas story. Um, people display nativity scenes in their home, which is a portrayal of the birth of Jesus Christ in the stable in Bethlehem. Um, the colors blue and purple are used to represent Advent and worship. And many congregations and families use Advent wreaths to demonstrate the coming of light into the world, um, where you light a candle every week so that there's more and more candles lit until Christmas happens. Um, they often celebrate the themes of hope, joy, love, and peace during this time. The Advent wreath, while a long-standing practice in the Catholic Church, finds its origins in other traditions. Pre-Christian Germanic peoples and Scandinavian peoples had traditions with wreaths and candles to represent the hope coming in as light returned to the world after solstice. In Scandinavia, we find a direct link to the pagan celebrations as people would bring in their wagon wheels to keep them safe from the weather and would hang them as an evergreen-covered chandelier with candles. 
Prayers were offered to the god of light to turn the wheel of the earth back toward the days of light. By the Middle Ages, the Christians adopted this tradition and used Advent wreaths as part of their spiritual preparation for Christmas. For Christians, this represents the light of the world, coming in the form of Christ. By 1600, both Catholics and Lutherans had formal practices surrounding the Advent wreath. The celebration of solstice and the meaning of the wreath overlap, in that both celebrate the coming of light in the midst of darkness. Solstice is an astronomical event that occurs twice a year. It means sun and stand still, which marks the shortest day of the year as the seasonal movement of the sun's path comes to a stop before reversing its direction. Many ancient cultures have celebrated the winter solstice in a variety of ways through feasting, singing, dancing, the sacrificing of animals, and awakening the rebirth of the sun for the following harvest season. Solstice is celebrated through Yule celebrations. Yule, or Yule Tide, a midwinter festival that absorbed its way into the Christmas tradition around the 12th century, is a Germanic festival which commemorates the goddess who gives new birth to the sun. The Roman holiday Saturnalia, along with Celtic winter celebrations and traditions, helped give rise to this joyful holiday of gift-giving, hanging mistletoe, decorating trees, the lighting of the Yule log, also a phallic symbol, Making wreaths, <clears throat> wassailing, caroling, and more. Holly jolly. <laughs> From ye old Wikipedia, Scandinavians still call Yule Jule in English. The word Yule is often used in combination with the season Yuletide, a usage first recorded in 900. It is believed that the celebration of this day was a worship of these particular days, interpreted as the reawakening of nature. The Yule particular god was Olner which is one of Odin's many names. The concept of Yule occurs in a tribute poem to Harold Harfager from around AD 900, where someone said drinking Yule. Yule Blot is the most solemn sacrifice feast. At the Yule Blottet, sacrifices were given to the gods to earn blessings on the forthcoming germinating crops. Yule Blottet was eventually integrated into the Christian Christmas. Um, for some believers in more pagan traditions, Yule is a time of reflecting on inner struggles and mysteries as we prepare for a time when we will turn back towards the glories of light. Traditionally, these weeks were a celebration and rest that came after harvest, a time of peace and a break from the flurry of harvesting all that had been grown throughout the year. Once the wheel turns back towards light on solstice, the outward light returns, newness starts to break forth, and light returns. And this is a reflection on the uh, on Advent and Yule Solstice. For the word Advent literally means the coming, and in this sense, these weeks in December are indeed a time of Advent for all of us, whether we consider ourselves religious or not. The light is coming, and all of creation, and we, wait together for that coming. What a not-to-be-missed treasure the natural season of Advent can be then, when the descent light inside each of us can turn to and answer the promise of light surrounding us everywhere in the December dark. The whisper of candlelight from darkened windows, windows sorry, the blue-black light of dusk against the silhouetted trees of winter. This is Advent, when as sleepers we awaken to our own light of love deep within us, waiting to be reborn again in the dark stables of our own souls. So there is a lot here, a lot of material, a lot of traditions, a lot of history. So speaking of history, your childhood, it always comes back to our childhood. <laughs> what was your upbringing regarding the winter solstice celebrations, Advent, Christmas festivities? What did you enjoy? What did you not like? 
Uh, what did you wish was different looking back? And can we can we incorporate um, Hanukkah into this? Because Hanukkah is absolutely a solstice-style celebration, correct? Yeah, that's great. We're yeah. actually going to do a whole thing on Hanukkah, but if this because we have people from different religious tribes, let's bring that in, too. So for me, I didn't know anything about this. Um, we always had an Advent calendar, or I mean, um, candles, wreath in our church, but I don't... I don't remember, like, even the explanation. of. I mean, I'm sure that they gave us the sentence explanation, but that was the total of Advent Mm -hmm. in my tradition, Mm -hmm. was just the wreath. And we had a Christmas tree at home. Uh, Santa was part of our tradition. Uh, But I didn't know any of these other things until well into college. You like Christmas? I love Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) I wish it wasn't so commercial, because it... The, the weight of trying to get everything done in December often overwhelms my ability to kind of celebrate why we're actually doing this. And I, I kind of mourn that in a weird way because I'd really love to be able to focus more on what's happening during Advent. Because aren't there some evangelical traditions where they eschew Santa altogether? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what yeah rearrange that? those letters, you know. <laughs> Santa Claus is Satan's Claus, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, so what's that about? Can I ask really quick? Sorry. Uh, it's just fear. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Harry Potter, Santa. Trying to what, Halloween. Halloween. Is it trying yeah. to expunge some of these, like, more pagan traditions? I mean, cr- out Christmas was, out, was outlawed in, in England and in America at one point. So, I mean, this whole phenomenon that we have today is pretty much like, you know, it's Coca-Cola and all yeah. the things that came around. I don't know what era that was. Is that the 20th, 20s. early 20th oh, century? 20s. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. maybe not. Yeah. So then it became more playful and fun and re- redeemable. But there's still people who go, no, the roots are bad. My tradition, Southern Baptist, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give them lots of applause here. They didn't shun Santa. I mean, there might be some families, but we were pretty cool with Santa. We didn't do Advent like your tradition, Janelle, yeah. but that was, that was something I learned later. So I don't really know anybody that shunned Santa. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in kind of the same boat mm-hmm. as you because, like, my experience of Christmas growing up was almost solely a secular thing because in the Church of Christ tradition, we don't adhere to the liturgical calendar at all. And so, and it's even sort of like a all these other churches are, you know, focusing on the birth of Christ right now, but we should be focused on the birth of Christ all the time. And so we're not going to pay special attention to this right now. And so we never like even brought it up at the times where everyone else was bringing it up. So my experience of Christmas was just totally Santa and the tree and the gifts and that's it. I think one thing that's, so I lived in Spain for a semester. um, And one thing that was interesting about the way that they do Christmas is it's very, much like about like so their christmas markets are like nativity scenes and you buy like small figurines to put in your house of nativity scenes and they have they call them like papa noel that's they have santa but it's so much more like visibly religiously based in a way that's really not seen in america um in the way that it's just not really not not commercialized and so it's just really interesting to see christmas celebrated in such a new light than it is over here when people talk about in Spain too, that right, people celebrate Three Kings Day. Yeah. In mm-hmm. January, so like Christmas is very yeah, it's yeah. the twelfth day after Christmas. Yeah. yeah, right, and it's mostly for children, and it's mostly it's almost like this whole stocking tradition, but it's not a big. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. 
What about the Midwest? <laughs> well, my my mom in particular has has currently still um, kind of a fantastical dream vision of Christmas, and so there, you know, it's definitely a religious holiday in our family, but. Um, she never had any trouble with all the other parts of it. She loves giving gifts and wants to have a perfect dinner and a perfect family celebration with all the decorations and accoutrement. And the day after Thanksgiving is when everything goes up and New Year's Day is when everything goes down. And um, yeah, it's interesting because my parents do have a pretty conservative religious view on a lot of things, but... um, until people say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, they don't really see a problem with all the other parts of Christmas. So, and I, you know, I was before I was 12, I was raised in sort of a variety of, of evangelical churches, but after 12, we were in a Methodist church. And that's where I learned a lot more, like Janelle was talking about the Advent wreath and um, some of those more traditional high church calendar things, I guess. Um, and so that, and then I ended up going to a Lutheran college and a Presbyterian college after that. And they had very similar sort of um, ways of observing and celebrating Christmas that way. So, yeah. So what are some things that you now, you, you've gleaned from o- over the years that you would maybe encourage somebody else to say, hey, look at this tradition. It's not so bad. Take this on. I mean, what, what, what are you proud of? What's the thing that you go, this is great. I think the spirit of generosity. Mm-hmm. There is, I think, um, even now, well, I shouldn't say even now. I mean, come on, I'm a Buddhist, but I was raised as a Christian in, in America, you know what I mean? Like, Christmas is still a very special time. Um, but I think this idea of, of it's the hardest, the darkest, the awfulest time of winter, but there's something about the Christmas spirit as it's celebrated in whatever the Judeo Christian, Anglo American world that, you know, um, that, that brings out this sense of, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge and having a change of heart and giving back to people. And, you know, and there is something warm and fuzzy about it. I don't know what it is. And, but I think that that's, it comes from its pagan roots. And I think it comes also, but also how it manifests in this country as well. So I I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I have, I have a similar experience. The pagan, the pagan part of of the holiday has been more apparent to me in the last five or 10 years because I have a group of friends who they don't necessarily identify as pagan, but everything they do is pretty pagan. And, and in the holidays they do, they have a lot of what I think of as pagan celebrations, just times to be together in the darkness and the cold. And, um, as I've sort of come out of that evangelical tradition where that kind of the word pagan alone is, sinful and something to not be discussed, let alone participated in, and then sort of merging my traditions with this whole idea of coming together during the solstice and how it's kind of a genius, you know, pairing of this celebration of Christmas and the religious Christian aspect with this very human centuries long tradition and, um, kind of earthy. Yeah. And I really dig it, I guess. And it's a good alternative to some of the fantasies like in the movies from the 1950s of what Christmas is supposed to be like to what it can really be like. I think also just the idea of light is so beautiful and also impactful. Like I used to get out of school and be like 4 or 4.30 and be pitch black out. 
and it's going to stay like that for a, a bit. And I remember getting in the car with my family and we would sometimes just go for rides and just see the lights that people had put up. Um, there was this one house that was like seven minutes away. Um, and I remember like bringing my Nana there like a year or two before she passed away. And we just sat outside this like huge house that I think wrote like Merry Christmas mm-hmm. in lights and everything was lit up. And it was just nice to like have that moment and feel things that are bright and light in the way that's not like heavy, but also light in the way that it's like actual light. Um, in a time where it's just so just like weighs on you so much. I think that's like good for people. Yeah, my wife grew up in Minnesota, and she said they kept mm-hmm. the lights up for months after Christmas. <laughs> and in Texas, we took them down right after Christmas. <laughs> but I, I can only imagine when we lived in New York City, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This is why people keep their lights on. It's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel of the dark winter. <laughs> uh, I think for me and all these traditions, I, I, I've, ex- I've been on extremes. So growing up, I didn't think much about it. We did the Santa thing, and that was fine. We did the Christmas Eve and Jesus and the whole major scene that was completely, uh, I mean, white. Out, out of white and out of context and so yeah. on so many levels. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until probably in my first years of ministry when I figured out the actual history of mm-hmm. these pagan holidays and the whole, like, unconquerable son of Mithra and Constantine <laughs> yeah. appropriating this religion uh, for his own power and is appeasing his dad and I go this is bullshit yeah. <laughs> you know and so then I wanted to kind of down with Santa down with the the whole thing and I got into the Hebrew uh, Jewish part of Jesus would never this is ironic why are we even celebrating a birthday because he's Jewish he wouldn't even celebrate his own birthday <laughs> uh, my dad used to always say that if Jesus came back on Saturday he'd go to temple right yeah so I finally I think over the years I go okay I live I live in the United States. I'm a Western kid, and I'm, I've grown up in this. I can't say down with this, down with that. I go so I, I'm I'm realizing, and I'm okay with this. I've appropriated, I've syncretized the one thing that in the Hebrew scriptures they say not to do. I'm like, well, I'm doing it, but I'm trying to find the good. And so last year I did my first uh, winter solstice celebration with some friends, and it was great because we talked about all the earthy pagan stuff, and then brought Jesus into it, and, and the whole time not like. Hiding the fact that, like, the, this is all Jesus. No, no, we realize this comes from stuff before Jesus and around Jesus. Yeah, to kind of give yourself a break, to let yourself breathe, and to go, don't take, yes, take your faith seriously, but don't take your religion so seriously that you shun everybody and their dog. So that's that's where I've I've landed today. And, and I might have a new label with that later, but I don't know. I think for me, the idea of waiting around Advent has become more real of, and especially in the paradox that we live in of this is kind of a very rushing fast forward month and the church stands in direct opposition to that and says, wait, that you, to the point of you shouldn't put baby Jesus in the manger scene because he's not here yet. Uh, You shouldn't put the wise men there because they're not here yet that we are preparing our hearts for the coming of this Savior. And so I really feel like in in the last few years, just the remembrance that there needs to be time and space to pause in this season and try to focus on what 
Well, what for Christians is kind of the purpose of all of this. It's not the gifts. It's not even family. It's that God cared about us so much that he was willing to become us. And especially as my, also as my theology of incarnation has grown, like what does it mean that a God is willing to take on the limits of being a baby, which you're very familiar with at the moment, of being this little helpless thing that's born in exile, in a barn, in, dependent. in the smells and all of it. And that's what God was willing to do for us. And I, so I, I try to find moments to wait in the midst of the busyness. But it's really hard. I think that might be the most difficult thing when you do blend the holidays. Yeah. Is it because this is a fast-paced time of the year? Yes. And people say, slow down, enjoy family. Well, how can you? And you know, I mean, people have to mm-hmm. get stuff done. There's deadlines at the end of the year. Then you have to shop. And then you have this sort of guilt because you spent too much money or not enough money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's double whammy either way you look at yeah. that. And so how do you get to a point where you go, as a, as a Christ follower, because I'm in the same boat, to say, if this is the season where we celebrate the birth of Christ... Like his uh, his birth was dirty. It was smelly. It was disgusting. He was. I mean, he had these peasant parents. They were on the run from this empire. It's right, very it was unsafe. Yeah, okay. it was very different from our, our entire season in America. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how how do you do both as a, as a Christian? Well, I think this year uh, it especially has brought into focus all of these very political hot button issues. Um, if you're going to claim to be against those, you better re-examine what you believe because we're talking about people that were migrating, they were escaping, yeah. they were in exile, they were a minority. Mm-hmm. You cannot if you cannot ignore that. And I think it's become real enough to me that if you're ignoring those facts about this story then I really do question what your faith is about. Because these are the people that got refused at the hotel. These were the people whose blankets were taken. These are the people that were abandoned. And that's who we're called to follow and serve and take care of as Christians. And so I really am feeling the tension of what a public Christianity, quote-unquote, looks like? And what does it really mean when we're actually engaging the story and being real about how far away we are from that? Yeah. Well, that's very that, well put. That's very well put. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a like core part of American Christmas, is that what I've seen from how people celebrate Christmas, because um, I obviously didn't have a ton of friends celebrating Christmas growing up, um, was that it's not really even about religion. It's mostly just about family or um, generosity and gift-giving, um, and that it's it's very far removed in a lot of ways from, from Jesus and from just, like, Christianity in general. Yeah. Well, and even one thing that, that bothers me, because I think, Janelle, you just explained so perfectly, you know, kind of the idea behind the story, mm-hmm. and, you know, even even thinking through the first people that saw Jesus and the first people that were announced of his presence were the shepherds who were, you know, the completely, uh, you know, on the outskirts of society, um, their pariahs. And then, you know, in the, in the Matthew story, you have the Magi who were foreigners. So it's like 
the people in the sheep shit and the foreigners. Mm-hmm. Like those are the two people that you know. Those right. are the two groups, and I think you know. I think Christianity does do a pretty good job at Christmas time. I mean, we could certainly do a better job, but there is a a tradition of trying to you know, focus on the least of these, you know, providing gifts to, to orphans or families that don't have enough money and that sort of thing. But it almost sort of like in these, in these so commercialized spirit of Christmas that we have here, even that becomes commercialized mm-hmm. in a way that really bothers me sometimes like look look what big thing we're putting on here for such and such charity or such and such orphanage and i'm like no like just go give them the freaking gifts and you know like it's just we figure out a way to make charity into you know a commercial thing somehow which bottles my mind yeah that's really interesting i i'm connecting to that just um i think uh like, I think that's why lately I've been feeling that there's a real appeal to the idea of solstice instead of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some, the same friends that I mentioned earlier that are kind of pagan in their lifestyle, I guess. They've started a couple of years ago this open house in this enormous house in an old neighborhood in Kansas City on the 23rd of December. And they're doing it, they say it's every year until the end of time. But so I've been the both times and I'm going back this year. And it is just the most joyful communal experience and there's food and drink and singing and then we end with like a candlelight sort of circle where we talk about what's been hard this year and what we want to see next year and and you know there were a hundred people there last year and I imagine there'll be more this year and it's word of mouth and um you know people who nobody knows except for one or two people at the party are there and and it's it's really more welcoming than a family Christmas, you know, because at a family Christmas, it's more about your insular family and it's not outwardly focused. And in my case, my mom with her fantasy world ideas about what Christmas should be, it's all about the food and the presence before being together. And and I just think she's not that's she's not a materialistic person, but that's where she ends up with it and sort of mirrors that idea of commercializing what should be just this beautiful experience together. Mm-hmm. I think also from like a love language perspective, gift giving is like for some people that way of showing their appreciation and um, like care for others. And so that can definitely be like a component. Yeah. But it can be very stressful because that is one of my languages. And so finding the right thing for every person Mm -hmm. and getting it wrapped (laughs) and like. It just stresses me out. And they're yeah. hoping oh, that their definitely. reaction is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I still love the gifts, but like, I, it's yeah. just so much to do uh, in such a short time. Yeah, definitely. But I think in some ways that vision of the perfect Christmas um, is a little harmful. I, I was thinking about like one of the ways that we can serve during Christmas time in a non-ostentatious way, even though all those things are good, Denver Rescue Mission, you know, great, like, let's let's do it. But, I mean, frankly, if, if you are a Christmas-celebrating person and you are estranged from your family or your family, it was really crappy at Christmas when all your friends had joy and embrasure and you were separate, I mean, that... I think the holidays are very hard for a mm-hmm. lot of yeah. people. And so the willingness to reach out during those times mm-hmm. when it just is a little raw or because environmentally and spiritually and family, I mean, you know, 
that's the, the true thing. And I think that gets exacerbated by the fact that there is this sort of vision of what Christmas should be like and what families should be like. And you know, when we fall away from those stories, like, you know, it hurts. I think the hardest part about it is no matter where you are on that spectrum of family or no family, after New Year's, it's depressing for everyone. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And that's something I think, I wish we could extend this season yeah. of light, not the commercial stuff necessarily, or even maybe the religious stuff, but this time, this emphasis on being aware of each other and yeah. being around each other more, because I think we could all use it in January. Well, in February. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the funny thing is, like, winter goes until April. Or at least where I'm yeah. from, it goes until April. Yeah. yeah. And so Here, it's like, yeah. you know, everything happens so fast, then all of a sudden it's like, we still have four or five more months of this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Crap. yeah. I think it's just interesting. So, for the next question, just throw out there. So, the question is, like, what do you find most interesting and surprising? I think one thing that's just to talk more about the, like, commercialization of, of Christmas, there's, like, there's music and there are movies and there are, I mean, I think, again, kind of speaking to what you're saying, Liz, about this whole idea of, like, we see this, we see this image or hear this image of this ideal Christmas night or Christmas Eve and then, like, Christmas Day celebration, um, and it's just so present in there, and it's so unrealistic in so many ways, um, for a, a lot of people, and especially, like, if you're tight on money, to get, I was always, like, so shocked at how people like, did Christmas, and how, like, these kids that I knew would be like, oh, yeah, like, I got, like, this and this and this, like, with what money? Mm -hmm. Like, if you have that many kids, like, it just always, like, blew my mind, and if, like, that, like, trying to conceptualize the pressure of creating this one night, or this experience, or this, like, you, if I didn't get this much stuff, then it wasn't enough, and how do I know that you can, it's like, I don't know, it just seems so, there's so much stuff, like, well, I'm not really articulating this well, but just, like, this, it's so ingrained, this one image is so ingrained in so many different avenues, it's coming in from so many different angles to be this one thing, and it's like, that's not, that's not gonna happen, like, that's not realistic. How did Hanukkah differ differ from that for you? Well, I think Hanukkah differed in a few ways, number one, because Hanukkah's not really a big holiday, so, I mean... Jews have so many, there's so many holidays. Like, there's a website called, like, isitajewishholiday.com. And it says yes or no, and then if it is, then it says what it is. Um, and especially because I was raised in a religious home and also went to religious school, I was, I knew about all the holidays. Um, and was, like, studying them and participating in them. So Hanukkah wasn't really that big, just in terms of Judaism, it's not a huge holiday. Um, and in terms of my family, like, my family's not a huge, like, gift family. Um... In, in the, like, a celebration way, like, like, my, like, I'll come home and they might be like, I don't know, Ugh, I can go to so many things, I get really discombobulated <laughs> and, and tangential, but, yeah, it just wasn't, like, a huge, just wasn't a huge thing in the house, um, we always lit the candles, we celebrated in a religious fashion of, like, we always lit the candles, um, and it was kind of a time where we would go over to family's house for dinner, we'd have them come over for, like, Hanukkah parties and stuff, and make a lot of lockies, um, and spend time with my cousins, but in terms of, like, celebrating a religious holiday, it was kind of like, add it to the list. Does it get weird that Christians always assume that Hanukkah is the equivalent of Christmas for Jews? I think it would have gotten weirder if I didn't go to Jewish school and didn't have mostly Jewish friends. Gotcha. Because nobody's really asking those questions. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, it was always, like, very known in the house that, like, Hanukkah was mostly 
a bigger it became a bigger deal because we are American Jews in America American Jews that's like a whole thing mm-hmm. but um, but like in Israel like that's not it they do Hanukkah but like who cares it's not really a big thing but because there's always that like play of like what knowing that you're living in America and like how do you kind of figure those two things out when Christmas is such a big deal yeah. and it's kind of around the same time like Hanukkah is actually the first night of Hanukkah is on Christmas Eve this year which is kind of funny but it was, it was just like I mean yeah it wasn't a big deal I would imagine that it would be a bigger deal for families who had, um, like, interfaith families. Mm-hmm. And finding that balance. Where there's, where's that conflict exists. Right. Yeah. All right. So we will um, end with this last question. If you could add or take something away from where you stand now in this holiday season, whatever you celebrate and participate in, What's something? Hey, I wanna I wanna do this next year. If you if you don't have time this year, maybe next year. Or hey, you got a few more days. Christmas is coming. I would like to enact a folk song. Have you heard of Dar Williams? Yes. The Christians and the Pagans. I may be dating myself here, but I think it's from the late song. '80s. It's a great song. But it's an yeah. amazing song that tells the story of some sort of estranged family members, some of whom are pagan and some who are Christian. And the Christians who are hosting the pagans on Christmas dinner. And um, they're just talking about, it kind of, uh, you know, enlightens you to what's very different and what's very much the same in that concept. And I, you know, my family's so Christian focused, it'd be nice to kind of be like, hey, I don't believe all that stuff and it's still okay. Lighting lighting trees in darkness. Yes. Learning new ways from the old, right? Mm -hmm. I think um, I'm interested in exploring as the older I get, um, trying to disassemble some of those um, expectations of what Christmas has to look like and the pain that comes from separation of all of that, um, that image and, and building something new that, that works and is supportive and is lovely at this time. I'd really like my daughters to, one, um, not be uh, blinded by the historical you know, aspects of the solstice season and Christmas and Hanukkah, like, no, like, here, this is what this holiday is, this this is how this has been appropriated over the years, so give them all that, because they're going to get that from me, but then to say, you know, what does it look like for us to um, to live like Christ during the season, and expose them to probably things that are outside of um, their comfort zone, it's, um, and I don't know what age you start doing that with children, probably Caroline at four, now or next year would be good. So, um, so yeah, I, Lauren and I have talked about that, like, we, we've done stuff during the Advent season that has helped us as a couple and um, to take on that posture of Christ and spend less and to give more and to kind of think about we, Living Water International, uh, the water project was a big uh, part of our Christmases, still is over the years, but something that the kids can, can do practically. I'll say that this is not add or take away. I'm, a, I'm actually just going to say I'm, I'm sort of weirdly grateful that we're in a weird time right now, like, you know, post-election, um, with all of this stuff going on. And this is just kind of a, in a way, like a, a perfect time to kind of, uh, reassess some of our, our values maybe for, for those of us who care about politics. Um, and it's really sort of refocused me, uh, to, you know, prioritizing my faith over my politics and saying, 
no, actually, like this this whole God becoming a baby thing is uh, really important for me, and uh, and it means something, and I need to kind of use that to guide my current. Um, you know, way that I'm I'm living and approaching and dealing with with these issues, and for me that means hard things too, like having empathy for people that I'm not a huge fan of right now. So, um, you know, it's it's all kind of that allows me to sort of um, you know re- reframe that whole discussion and think about it differently. So you're going to sit at a bar with a sign that says, "Did you vote for Trump?" <laughs> And then buy them a drink. Yes. Give them a hug. Yes, yeah. exactly. An idea for you. I think for me, I'd get rid of some of the really stupid Christmas music. Great <laughs> <laughs> by juice. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it all has to be about Jesus, but I get really tired of the love songs that are masquerading as Christmas music because they're wearing a red dress. Yeah. I just think that we could probably thin that out a little bit. <laughs> And honestly, I've also heard from people that aren't particularly Christian that um, they like the religious songs and like the meaning in them. And so what does it hurt to allow that to be part of kind of the normal playlist? And I feel like that's been really excluded. Right. I would say just kind of creating my own religious traditions. Or not necessarily, I'm going to scratch religious. I mean, like, I would say celebratory traditions around this time. Um, Like, so I'm from Boston, moved out here over a year ago and my roommate and I last year had people over for um like Hanukkah but also the holidays because we're like the only Jews um but it's nice to just make it Mm non-denominational and just celebrate each other and like celebrate good food and just like spending time together and having just like enjoying each other's company um and finding I mean Jews are big on tradition so kind of continuing that tradition in a way where holidays is just about, or holidays are just about, like, celebrating each other um, rather than having to get into, like, the nitty-gritty of our own, like, religious identities. Right. Okay, I think we should probably hold hands and sing a song. I'm kidding. Song. <laughs> 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 uh, all right, so we would love to hear back from you on the interwebs. You can email us. You can um, contact us through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all that good stuff. We'd love to hear what is your favorite pagan tradition, Hanukkah tradition, Christmas celebration, and uh, what would you add to the list? All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 Is that you're right. I don't know. Right? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Set again. Oh my gosh, now it's too high. Okay, we're going to have to revisit this. Yeah. <laughs> we're not having Sorry, everybody. <laughs>